Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Murray. Thank you, choir, for taking us to the throne in worship and praise. I want to tell you all at the outset that I love you. It's so good to be here with you. It's always a, a gift, but I think the last time I preached here was 2004, for the Lord called us to, uh, to pastor, and we went to Uniontown and been uh, to Benton since then, and now we're over at the, uh, the associational office. But this is home. I've got a thousand memories as I look around just at the, the physical plant here, but as I see faces, especially of the most sinful types. You know, you know. Oh, our God is gracious and he's merciful, isn't he? I would have killed me a long time ago. Back when I was sleeping on the back pew back there, every time Dr. Lyon opened the Bible to preach, I was glad to see today, now that the carpet's not there, I was curious if there might be a, uh, a stain there, a slobber stain, where I put my head down. I confess it to you now because I know Jesus. Got saved March 15th, 1980, as a member of this church then. And uh, when someone finally looked at me and said, Lee, there is no way you're a Christian. Going to church, carrying a Bible, even reading it, even giving money, even praying. They said, there's no way you're a Christian. God is too faithful for you to live the way you do and never be convicted of sin. And she was right. And I'm so thankful I started dating her a couple of years later and been married 39 years ever since. <laughs> to Sandra Van Cleve Tate. Amen. Well, I'm glad you're here. I want to talk to you today about the potential of a believer. That's a, a word that gets thrown a lot, around a lot, the potential of every believer, and therefore the potential of every church, the potential of First Baptist Church. Not in years past, not in years future, but right now. The only day we get right now. What is your potential? What is this church's potential? I, I, I go along with who I read uh, yesterday, the writer of Hebrews, when, when they write, see to it right now, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But let's encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. See to it then, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But let's encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The Lord God Almighty wants to do something in you, in me, in all of us, and through all of us. These boxes, these inanimate objects that God Almighty is going to send, 11 million of them or more, all over the world, inanimate objects, pencils, combs, brushes, baby dolls. God is going to take the gospel to people all over the world, many who have never heard the gospel one time, and others, millions of others who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ Dead, buried, resurrected, and coming again. They need to hear it one more time, just like I did. Just like you did, if you know Christ. And he's ready to use us today. Let's not worry about tomorrow. It's 50-50 today, right? That's the truth of the matter. So let's pray together, and then let's look in Matthew 22 and see what he has to say to us this morning. So glad to be with you. Father, we praise you now for this time you've given us. Lord, this is your time. This is your Bible. This is your church. 
We're just grateful to play a part in it. Lord, I ask now in Jesus' name that I would disappear. You would use your word by your spirit, that you would speak to hearts, that we would be obedient now, and we would be obedient if you give us life when we leave this place, to be your hands, your feet, your salt, your light, your ambassadors, your mouthpieces on a world that is horribly broken and in desperate need of you, just like we are. Give us eyes to see it this morning, we ask, in the holy name of Jesus Christ, amen. The Lord called me out of here back in uh, 2000, well, 1996, actually. Called us into ministry, called us to go to seminary. What is he calling you to today? Now, seriously, I was just another, like you, sitting in this, in this room, and he called us to leave everything. When I was the happiest man in Dallas County working at Bush Hawk. I wept like a child when he called me. But we left with a 12, 10, and 6-year-old son, and we went to a place we visited for one day and knew no one, had no job, all these things. Had $8 in the checking account, had half a tank of gas, and here I am all these years later. What is God calling you to? I can guarantee you there are people in this room right now that God is calling to full-time service for him. Under the sound of my voice that are calling you to leave everything you know. And for the rest of you that he's not calling to go away, maybe to a far-flung country or even to another part of this country, he's calling you to be his man, his woman, his young person like never before. The days are short, the days are evil, and we are here. And we want to take full advantage of that. So we want to yield our heart to him today. We want to live up to the full potential that he has for you. Not what you think you can do. If I was the devil and I'm not, I would whisper to you every day, you're doing fine, don't change a thing, stay on the course you're on, don't change a thing, just finish well. You'll be doing fine. God will never tell you that. He'll tell you he loves you so much that he wants you to follow him wherever he leads you. And he will be there waiting on you. And he will work through you. In your weakness, he will be strong. He will do that. God is mighty. Amen? Let's settle that. God is faithful, is he not? Yes, he is faithful. He is good. He is trustworthy. And God never changes. He is not a son of man that he should lie, nor a, a, a man that he should change his mind. When he speaks, he acts. When he promises, he fulfills. And he will do that in you and through you with his promise behind it to reach the potential he has for you, the plan he has for you, that may be totally different than what you walked into this building with. And I guarantee you, it is different because he wants more of you. We'll talk about that. The potential of the believer, therefore the potential of First Baptist Church and every church that follows the Lord Jesus. Do any of y'all have an iPad? Nobody? Okay. An iPad is this thing that you... <clears throat> I have an iPad. It is, it actually, it is a three-pound paperweight because I'm scared to death of it. I had a couple of teenagers that helped me put one little program together one time. They did the whole thing. I watched and said, I understand. They left, and I hadn't touched it since. It just holds things down on my desk, and it looks good. I almost brought it in here to look smart, but I, I can't use it. But I'm convinced, having watched other people use it, that an iPad, a general could use an iPad and, and wage a war with those things. They are so capable. But for me, paperweight, useless. How useful are you in the kingdom of God? 
you are a lot more potentially useful than you think you are. That's, this isn't positive thinking, friends. This isn't name it, claim it. This is not heresy. This is the truth of God's word for you personally and this church. You are capable of so much more than God than you have shown God so far because you're comfortable where you are. That's, that's not a guess. That's a fact. That's how we live as broken creatures in need of Christ. So are you, let me ask it another way, are you as engaged in the, in the plan of God in this world as God wants you to be? Is this church as engaged in the, in the work of God all over this world that it could possibly be? Now, you know the answer is no because we're still here. And he's faithful to work in and through us until we leave here. So he, you know he wants more. Do, do you want to put it another way? Do you want to stand in front of God? You as an individual want to stand in front of God and give account, which you will. Hebrews 4.13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Do you want to stand before God just like you are right now? Of course you don't. Don't you want to move closer to him as you think that day approaches? And it does. There's no escape. There's no excuse. We will all do this. Don't you want to get closer to him? Of course you do. do you, let me put it another way. Do you think God Almighty is worthy of you letting go of yourself more and giving yourself over to him? Is he worthy of that? It's, it's almost a ridiculous question. Of course he is. But if I was the devil, I'd say, you understand God perfectly. He's very manageable. You, you've got him right there in your back pocket where you need him. He's always there for you. That's just our flesh. And we can get over that by his grace. Of course he wants more of you. Of course he is more worthy than we think he is. And of course we will be glad if we follow him down the path he calls us to. Amen? Let's settle that again. He's mighty. He's faithful. He's good. He's trustworthy. He never changes, and he loves you, and he's called you to greater and greater works as long as you're on this earth. All right, <clears throat> Matthew 22, thank you, Jeff, for getting us started on that, and I appreciate you reading the, setting the table for me as I, as I look in Matthew 22, and I'm going to ask you to turn to verse 15. I'm going to read a few verses from there. Considering our potential as believers in Christ, And as churches who follow Christ. Matthew 22 verses 15 through 21. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him, that is Jesus, in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then. What is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, Whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him, and they went away. What is God's? It's easy enough to, just, to talk about what is Caesar's, but what is God's? It's a rhetorical question that demands an answer. 
And we give it an answer every day as we follow him in obedience or disobedience. We don't follow. What is God's? I'm going to give you a hint. It starts with E, V, and ends with thing. Everything. Everything that you have ever touched and seen. Everything that you have ever claimed as your own. Your own body. Your own mind. Your family. Your possessions. Anything that you can put the pronoun your before. English teacher, I hope that's a pronoun. Your. Your stuff. Anything you can put your name before is his. It's always been his. It will always be his. It has simply been given to us for a minute length of time. In this mist slash vapor of a life, James 4.14, to steward for him, to hold on to and to use it for his glory. Y'all shout me down if I start preaching heresy, Jeff. I, I don't want to do that. It's the truth. It never was ours. And it won't be ours for long. Not here, not on this earth. What is God's? Everything. I want to encourage you right now to inter the, the highest call of anyone who would stand in, in a pulpit is to help you foster and nurture an eternal perspective, because you are an eternal being. You will not stay here. You are created by an eternal God, and he has eternal plans for you. So I want to encourage you right now to, to go eternal here, because that indeed is who you are, what you are, and what the word of God is, and is calling you to. When you see him, what are you, for the first time, whether it's through death or we finish the Great Commission, Matthew 24, 14, becomes truth. Our faith becomes sight, and Christ returns. But the first time you lay eyes on the almighty God of the universe, what do you think you're going to think? Let me ask you if it's going to be this. My, boy, I wish I wouldn't have given so much money at the church. I should have hung on to my stuff a little tighter. Wasn't quite worth it. Boy, I wish I'd have been a little, little more bashful when it came to my witness about this God. He really wasn't, he didn't measure up. Do you think you're going to think that? Let's be realistic here. Of course you're not. That's ludicrous. We can't even conceive of what it's going to be like. It would drop us dead. It would kill us if we could see just a hint of him. Of course you're going to wish you'd have done more, given more, gone more, proclaimed him more. And we know that. So now that we know that, again, and, and, as we, and as we remind ourselves of that today, that it is true, absolutely true, let's act on it. God is never in your comfort zone. Almost never. He may sneak in there occasionally just to give you a warm fuzzy that you need at that moment when you're weak, but he's going to step right back out again. And you'll love it out there, but you've got to take that step. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, many, like, like I have, have been for so many years of my life, really don't know what it's like out there because it's unsafe and we've, the world has trained me to stay safe. Be careful. Tiptoe lightly through this world so you may die safely. We don't live safe for Jesus. We live obediently to Jesus. And he is worthy of everything. Feed your eternal perspective in this. Put everything that he has put in your hands, put them on the altar with a firm, again today, yes, Lord, this is yours. It never was mine. I'm glad to give it to you. It's in good hands now. Release my grip. 
Release my grip of my family. Re release my grip of my time. Release the grip that I have on my IRA or 401k or my lands, my possession, my home. All of these things that are going to go away. They are going to go away. Lord, help me have eternal vision and, and let go and put it in your hands that you may be glorified and that I may be blessed and that the, those lives that you want to touch through me may be blessed as well. Don't you want to live that way? Don't you want to die that way? That, therefore, you want to live that way. We all do. That's what he's called us to. That is why Jesus was raised from the dead, so you and I could do that. He'll do it through you, no matter where you are in your life right now. You have not reached your potential for the kingdom. I haven't either. Billy Graham never did either. Because as long as we are here, like Paul, we are striving. We have never arrived. We are always leaning toward him, that we may grow closer to him in his likeness. But let me tell you something, because the enemy in your flesh and the world is going to whisper to you always, you're doing fine. Just stay the course. You're doing fine. I, it sounds like, a, like to some of you right now, you are saying, he's asking me to scale Mount Everest in 10 minutes. I can't do it. I quit. I'm not, I'm not even going to try. I promise you, it's a decision. You're a decision away from it. And that is all. A decision of saying, yes, Lord, I will do it. What is it? And the next thing that comes to your heart that he gives you, you can be, and you've tested it against scripture. He's not going to ask you to sin. But he's going to ask you to do something that will be a little bit further than you thought you would ever go in your life. He wants to do things through. This is not, this is not. Name it, claim it. I'm not trying to throw prosperity at you. I'm just saying there are things in and through you that you have never thought in your mind that he would ever do. And he is ready to do them now. A decision of the will. That's all it is. It's nothing more. And it's no more difficult than that. And he wants you to do it. And he will do it through you faithfully. <clears throat> Also in Matthew chapter 22, I want to read a couple more verses, beginning in verse 35, 34. As we consider reaching your potential, as we consider you preparing yourself to stand before God, the wise man, the wise woman, the wise person lives with his last or her last day in mind. And, and if this is, this is the mark, if this is Christ and I'm over here, they think of that last day, how they want to stand in front of him, and there is immediate change. Delayed obedience is disobedience, and he wants us to obey him. Matthew 22, verse 34. My Bible has a heading. Does yours? It says, The Greatest Commandment. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, brothers and sisters, this whole thing right here is the word of God. All of it is good. All of it is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for his work. But when the Bible says... Jesus said, our hearts, ears must perk up immediately. 
our king. Who do we want to hear from? I want to hear from my savior. I want to hear from my master. I want to hear from my Lord and the king of kings. This is him. He's fixing to tell us what the greatest eternal commandment is. He goes back in his Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, the Shema. Hear, listen. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Our master tells us what the greatest thing. Have you reached your potential in loving God with all your heart, soul, and strength? Of course you haven't. That's why we're here today. We want to love him more. Have you reached your potential? No. Do you love God? Don't answer that out loud. It has a huge hook in it. Do you love God? I'll tell you how much you love God. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I know how much you love God because I know how much I love God. Jesus, our king, has made it very clear in John chapter 14. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Then he comes back the other way. If you don't obey my commandments, it is because you don't love me. And it comes one other way. And he said, the one who does not love me will not obey me. Are you obeying the Lord? How much do you love the Lord? How much do you obey the Lord? Is his greatest commandment being lived out in your life? Do you, do you love him with everything you've got? If you do, you'll put everything you have on the altar of God, everything you are, everything that you put your before, and you will follow him. You'll trust him. He's trustworthy. He loves you more than you do love you. He loves your kids more than you do. He wants better for you than you could possibly want for yourself. Amen. He does. We'll put it all on the altar, and we will obey him. We'll pay whatever price he tells us to. Paul had not reached his potential. You and I have not either. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Oh, Lord, help us. God, help us. We know we don't. We know we don't. We don't love folks in our own family. Well, I hope that's not true in your family. No, I'm playing. Do you love your neighbor? Friend, if you don't care if someone goes to hell, if you could not care less, if if you were, I'm just going to use the word, if you were carnal and you you were worldly and you never, you couldn't care less if everyone in Ukraine went to hell. It just, I mean, it's not on your radar. That isn't love. That's the absence of love. That's the opposite of love. You could say it's hate, active hate, though it may be passive, it's active because we have a choice. It's just a matter of our will. We come back to the Lord and say, I want to do what you say, Lord. You say to love my neighbor. If you lived in Kazakhstan right now and you had never heard the gospel, there wasn't a building like this anywhere in your world. You had never seen a book like this. And you had never heard of a king named Jesus. And everyone loved the world just like you do. What would the chances be of you ever, ever hearing the gospel? 
We're called to love our neighbors. And where will the greatest commandment take you? Brother, sister, lost person in this building right now. The greatest commandment to love God and to love our neighbor will take us directly to the last words of Jesus, the Great Commission. It is a straight shot. Jesus said those were his last words. He says this is the greatest commandment and these are my last words. Do you think he just came up with those at the last second? Of course he didn't. The Holy Council of God had, had these sealed words in eternity past. And it says in Acts 1.8, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I believe that Matthew 28, 18 through 20 that we call the, the great commission of Jesus is just a, a retelling of that from another angle and another mouth and another heart. When Jesus looked at his disciples and looks at us today and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. For surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. The greatest commandment will take you to the great commission of Jesus. I'm not guessing on that. Oh, he still wants you to pay your bills. He still wants you to be around your excuse me, friends, he still wants you to go to school, kids. He still wants you to do all these things. He, he wants you to do all these things, but all of it must have his greatest commandment and his great commission as the backdrop for it all. We'll see this one day, and as you sit here under my voice right now, I know you know this to be true. I'm not making this up, and you know it. And he wants you to reach your full potential. You'll be glad you did. Don't you know you'd be glad you did to die like that, to be that lady, to be that man, to be that person? Of course, you'll be so thankful that you did it. You, First Baptist Church, you have three choices where it comes to these things. And I know I've got to be through by 1245. <laughs> you have three choices. Two of them are good. One of them is horrible. But one of them is your natural default setting. You can go. You can go. And I encourage you to go. Buy you a passport. If you don't have a passport, get one. Just get that out of the way. Good for 10 years. Put it in your safe deposit box. And if me or Murray or somebody walks up to you or Steve walks up to you, Jeff walks up to you one day and says, hey, we got a mission trip going to Argentina. We'd like for you to go. Feel like the Lord's leading. You know, if I just had a passport, I would go. Get that one out of the way as a step of faith. Go ahead and get it. I don't have the money. I'll buy it for you. I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm made of money. <laughs> I print the stuff. But don't let that be your, your built-in hurdle. If you're so busy that the, you've built in, no, I will never go. No, I won't because I'm just too busy. You're too busy. You have to break off your schedule. If God's called you to go, we're called to go. Loosen up that calendar. You can go, and we all are, need to be ready to do it. You can send. Not everyone's called to go. All of us are called to be witnesses as we go every day. But he may not call you to Russia, but he will call you to send somebody else there. How do we do that? Through prayer. 
How do we do that? Through giving. How do we do that? By encouragement. Email. Nothing like getting emails. Uh, preemptive strikes to missionaries. We reach out to them before they ever send us a newsletter. God puts them on our heart. We pray. Hey, I prayed for you today, brother. Thank you. But write the check. Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon. We gave a hundred. What time am I supposed to be through, Jim? Seriously, I didn't ask the question. Am I, am I about, do I need to wrap up? Y'all just give me this if I do. I'm almost done, though I am. Lottie Moon, last year, it ends up we gave a little more. It was $180 million that was, we said was given. Now I understand it's up to about uh, $205 million. Had some more stuff, more money come in. Let's just stick with 180 since I've already done the math on that. They say we have 14 million Southern Baptists. I don't know if I believe that or not, but at the same time, if we do, that is a, a cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke per Baptist. We are the Great Commission Convention. We are the ones who know to send, and we had 14 million members to prove it, and 3,600 missionaries. That's one out of every 3,500 Baptists. One out of every 12 churches will send a missionary. Friend, I promise you, looking around, there may be three or four in this room that God has called to go if they answer the call. $12.85. Let's just give $10 billion this year and see what happens. Let's give like... I'm dying tomorrow. I've got to be, I've got to be faithful. December comes, uh, coming quick, and I, I warn you, I am preaching twice in December here. Unless y'all change the schedule today. But think how much you have. Think about how much you could give today, and you would not miss it next month. You never even knew you wrote the check. And it would be scores greater than what you gave last year to Lottie Moon, Annie Armstrong, anything. We're called to go or we're called to sin. There's only one other option, and it is your default setting. Disobey. We don't want that, do we? Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking to Peter, and he says, look, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. On this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell cannot stop the gospel from going forth. Do you believe that? Hell can't do it. There's only one thing that can stop the gospel from going forth. You know what it is? You. You. The church. The church is the only entity on this earth that can stop the gospel from reaching the corners of the earth. But as I just said, 12 bucks and 85 cents ahead, we can stop it dead in its tracks. Is that what you want to be? Of course not. First Baptist Church, I just want to encourage you as individuals and as a church to lead us our association, we have 34 churches. You are First Baptist Church of Selma, Alabama. Lead us 
lead the rest of us. We will follow you. Lead these other churches who, who still don't know. They're great people. They're wonderful people. They love the Lord. But we have blind spots, and this is one of them for all of us. It's our default setting to say, it's mine, and I need every dime of it. You don't. It's my life, and I cannot go. You can. But I'll be so scared, and it'll be awful. It'll be wonderful. You'll be so thankful. God told me when I was at that crossroad, I'll never forget I was at this place. I was up in the, thir- I could see the steeple out of our Sunday school room. I was in there with, with uh, what's his name, uh, Casey, Dr. Casey. Now, somebody help me. Logan, thank you. Logan, Dr. Logan Casey now, teaching his Sunday school class. And I looked out the window and I saw the steeple of this church. And it was, for whatever reason, that moment, God said, follow me. And if you follow me, I may let you live to 60. I was 36. He said, I may let you live to 60. And if I do, that day, at this juncture, if you follow me or don't, there are going to be consequences. If you follow me, you're going to turn around on your 60th birthday and you're going to look and you're going to see no regrets. None. You're going to have joy that you never had before in your life. Or you're going to disobey me here. You're not going to trust me. And I will be faithful. And I'm going to be with you. I'll, I'll go with you. I'll give you things to do. And you'll obey me and we'll, we'll work together. But you'll have 24 years of regret that you can never get away from. You'll never get it back. You'll never know what I might have done. On my 60th birthday... I did. I got alone. I just turned around symbolically. And it was all there. No regret. No regret. I'm so thankful he kicked me into that. Don't make him kick you into it. Just walk it out. And follow him to do whatever he calls you to do. First Baptist, you want to be unified? I know you do. I know you want to be one. There's only one thing on this planet that can unify you. There's only one thing that can bring you the kind of joy that all of us want from being together with the church. There's only one thing that can, that can give us a, an expectancy, a confidence, a drawing us into one another as we go out for Christ, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified, resurrected, and us being on mission obediently with him. It'll give you joy like you've never had before. I'm not guessing on this. I didn't get this out of a book. He's allowed me to see this to be true. And that's what he wants for you. Is he worthy of it? Yes. It's all his and he's worthy of everything. Does he want the best from you? Yes. Will he help you reach it, your full potential? Yes. He will do it because he is faithful. I want to encourage you today to press on to reach your kingdom potential for the Lord Jesus. Make him the reason you breathe. And when you die... Make sure that was all you had left to do for the kingdom. Lead the rest of us, First Baptist. Somebody has to. I just assume it be y'all. Will you follow him? Will you honor him as your king? Are you bored at church? Come be with us. We'll meet in the parking lot at 2.30 this afternoon. We're going into the, for the fourth week now, to going into the GCW GWC homes and the Valley Creek homes, praying with people 2.30 to 4 every week, telling them about Jesus, building relationships. 
In January, we'll start in the Felix Heights and the Rangedale projects. We're tearing down walls by God's mercy, but out of obedience. We're just uh, tearing walls down that are up there, and we're kicking them down like Jericho. They ain't never going to be rebuilt. I'm sick of it. Join us. You'd be glad you did. I have so much more to say to y'all. I love you so much. I just want you to, to be glad that, uh, that you lived your life for Jesus. Maybe as we've been talking today, you realize you knew a lot about Jesus, but you don't really know Jesus. You have him here, but he's not here. Like I did and like so many others did in this building. Maybe today is the day he's called you to repent of your sins, put your faith in Christ, and follow him. Maybe he's called you out to be a missionary. We're fixing to have a, a, a song of, of invitation. And as we do, I'll be at the front to receive you. And, uh, and you act in obedience. Don't delay. Let's pray. Father, we praise you now. We praise you that you are with us. You are among us. Lord, I thank you for the patience of these dear saints. Oh, Lord, I pray that you'd return all the, the time to them today. If, uh, if I've wasted any of it, Lord, I pray that they, you would uh, redeem it for them this afternoon. They get everything done they need to do. Bless them, Lord. Bless them and use them powerfully. Move on the heart of any who are saved or not saved today to be saved. And call out any that you are ready to call. In Jesus' name, amen.